portions of Scripture, starting the book of 1 Kings. If you've got your Bible this morning or your electronic device, whatever you're looking on, and you want to turn with me, turn to 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. And we're going to spot read a couple of verses in there. Um, in the story, if you've found it, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse 1. 1 Kings 22 verse 1. And they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye that the Ram- that Ramoth in Gilead is ours, and we be still, and take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria? And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Wilt thou go with me to battle to Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. And the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up. For the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. For he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. And then let's go to verse 15. So he came unto the king, and the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered him, go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let him return, even every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would Prophesy no good concerning me, but evil. And he said, Hear thou the word, hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. And I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner, and another on that manner. And there came forth a spirit that stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him and prevail also, and go forth and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. And uh, we'll stop right there. Let's go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. 
book of Acts, chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, in verse 10. I want you to notice here, and it says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. I, I want to talk for a few moments about being hated for telling it like it is. Hated for telling it like it is. Would you pray with me, Father in heaven? Oh, we love you this morning. Thank you for your presence that we've already felt here in this place. Now we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost for this service. As we look into your word, would you give us the ability to rightly divide it? We need the anointing like never before. Challenge our hearts today, helping our ears to hear and our hearts to receive from your word. And Father, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Hated for telling it like it is. I, I want to just touch on this about this Berean church for just a moment. Then we're going to go back to the story in the book of Kings. And uh, Paul, it says Paul and Silas went there, and these people were known in Berea for studying the Scriptures. They received it. They received, it says there, with readiness of mind, but they searched. They sought it out. They studied it to make sure for themselves that they weren't being lied to. You got it? That's the Berean church. That's this, the Bereans there and that one we're talking about. But I want to go back to 1 Kings, I think is an interesting story, because here you find the king from the, the northern kingdom that the nation of Israel is divided. You've got the nation of Judah. You've got the nation of Israel. But they're coming against Syria. And so you've got the northern king comes down to the other king, the south uh, king, and that would have been Ahab, and says, Ahab, you know, let's form an alliance. Let's drive out the Syrians. Let's drive them out. But, you know, Jehoshaphat said, you got any prophets, anybody that? there?" And, and so Ahab said, I've got 400 of them. I've got 400 prophets. And all the prophets said, yeah, go up against them. You'll win. You'll beat them. Go ahead. And out of 400 already that gave their advice, Jehoshaphat says, but isn't there just one more? We've got the advice of 400 people here, but don't you have one more? Is there number 401? And he, Ahab said, yeah, I've got one, my K.I., but I hate him because he always prophesies evil against me. You know what he says? I, what he's saying is, I hate him because he always tells me the truth. He's always telling me the truth whether I like it or not. And so they sent from Ikei. You know, what he does at first is kind of an exaggeration. Yeah, go on up. Go on up against them. You'll win. And then Ahab says, no, I want the truth. Tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. I, I, and so I just find it such an interesting story. And then Ikei, you know, is persecuted for telling it 
like it is. And I, I really believe being in front of a congregation, being in a pulpit, is such an important job. And I have a responsibility to tell you the truth. It's placed Plato, uh, I guess, you know, the philosopher, I don't remember, Greek, Roman philosopher, he's the one that said, no one is more hated than the one who speaks the truth. So many times, we just want somebody who tell us what we think we want to hear than the what we need to hear. I would rather go to a doctor who would tell me the truth about my physical condition than sugarcoat it. If he sees on the x-rays or the test that I've got cancer, I don't want a doctor that says, oh, you're fine. Go on and live your life. You'll be okay. No, I expect that doctor, especially at today's prices, I expect that doctor to tell me the truth. Are you with me? Am I right? I don't want it sugar-coated. I'm asking him to the, be the doctor. I'm not asking him to be my best friend. I'm not asking him to go on vacation with me. I'm asking him just to tell me the truth. Should we expect anything less out of our pastors? Really? I, except for the truth. I want the truth. And sometimes we want to hide from the truth because it hurts, Right? We just don't want to believe it, and so we kind of want to ignore it. I'd like to have somebody that's going to tickle my ears, tell me what I want to hear rather than what I need to hear. And so he was, he was persecuted for telling the truth. Sometimes it's not always easy. Sometimes it means somebody's going to leave because they're not going to like it, you know, and when you already pastor a small church anyhow, it's hard to see another family go because they didn't like what you had to say. But you know what? If I don't preach the truth, I can be the most dangerous man in your life. And what I ask you to do is search the Scriptures. Search it out. What does the Bible say? I have an obligation to preach this book. I have an obligation to tell it like it is, whether somebody wants to hear it or not. I don't want to stand before God someday and God say, how come you didn't preach my word like it's written? How come you didn't preach it like it is? You tried to sugarcoat it, and as a result, you have people that went to hell. I can't bear that on my conscience. I can't. And so I, 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 want, to, I want to follow this train of thought here. Uh, for this morning and maybe a few others, a uh, few other services or whatever. But um, this morning, I want to talk about telling it like it is about sin. Sin is a serious subject. It's missing the mark. It really is. And so many times we can like sugarcoat it. We can, we can say, oh, you know, we can disguise our sin with our, our own sincerity. Well, as long as I'm sincere in what I'm doing, you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. I can't be just sincere. Or I think, oh, oh, I can make it to heaven because I'm a good person and I do all these good works. I do community service and I, I, feed, I help feed the, the, uh, the poor and help take care of the sick. You know what? Your good works are not going to get you into heaven. Your good looks are not going to get you into heaven. 
how, no matter how good-looking you are, no matter what good kind of name that you've got or how, how influential your family is or how big your bank account is, it is not going to get you into heaven. Can't. And there's some that will say, oh, well, as I gave my heart to the Lord when, when I was just a child, but you lived like the devil ever since, and you are not eternally secure. You know that? But there's some that will preach that. I think you'll, oh, you'll, be, you'll go up in the rapture from that bar stool, that nightclub or wherever. You know, I think when Jesus saves you, it changes you. You're a different person. And so, you know, with that in mind, I want us to talk about this because, you know, uh, there are other people that will tell you. There you can find pastor after pastor, preacher after preacher, church after church this morning that will tell you, oh, you're a good person. You'll make it to heaven no matter how you live. You can live like the devil and you could still make it to heaven. You could find four other preachers that will give you all the other opinions that you want to hear. But there is the truth. The truth is, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone is a sinner. Come on. Every one of you. Number one is, it's a universal problem. It affects every race, every background, every name, every, every creed, every color, every individual man or woman, boy or girl. You are a sinner. From the time you were born, it flows through our veins, down from our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden. And I don't know why. It's like Brother Daniel mentioned and touched on that in our Sunday school class. You know, because they sinned. The one thing, I appreciate the way he put it, the one thing they were told not to do. And they went and did it. Like he said, touching that wet paint. My fingerprints would be right there next to his. I got to touch that to see whether it's really wet or not. You know what? And it passes down through to all of us. We are all sinners. We've sinned against God. We've sinned against others. We've sinned against our own flesh. We've done things that are wrong. We have a past. We have things that we're not proud of because we're sinners. And isn't it interesting? All these little kids, I love little kids. I'm glad we are blessed with little kids. But they're little sinners. You don't have to take, you don't have to teach them. I've never seen a parent get out on the floor and just to say, this is how you throw a temper tantrum. I've never seen a parent say, okay, today we're going to learn how to lie to get yourself out of trouble. And today we're going to learn how to hit your brother or sister and to take away their toys. There is no parent that teaches how to do that. I mean, not that I've ever known of. And you know what? They've learned it. They're little sinners. We love them. We want them to come to the point that they accept Jesus as their Savior. And we love kids. But they're sinners. We are all sinners. We're born with that. We sin out of ignorance. We sin out of rebellion, and it's because we're sinners. And you know what? You're not the only one. You're in good company because all of us are sinners, including me. And I are the pastor. I am the pastor. I got better English than that. But I'm a sinner. 
Just because I'm in the ministry and I've been to Bible school doesn't mean that I'm exempt from that. For all have sinned. It's a universal problem. We are sinners. I'll tell you the truth. We're sinners. Search the Scripture. You're not exempt from this problem. There is no exemption for you. But then also I want you to see that sin comes at an inflated price. Isn't it interesting how the price of gas keeps going on up? Never comes down as fast as it goes up, does it? You know, you know, a couple of, what is it, the last two weeks we've seen it jump another 10 cents. You know something? Sin comes with a big price tag. Listen to me, young people. This is why we preach this. Uh, you know, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Some that have gotten saved later in life, they carry the scars from sin. Scars that can't be erased. They're covered by the blood of Jesus. They come to an altar and they give their heart to the Lord. They're covered by the blood of Jesus and they're saved. But the scars are still there, aren't they, folks? Come on. It's still there. You wish you could go and undo the past and the things you would have done differently because you're smarter now. You realize, hey, if I hadn't made those mistakes, and that's why we preach, you young people, my grandsons, listen to me. You can save yourself a whole lot of heartache if you'll give your heart to the Lord while you're young. Come on. Young ladies, listen to me. You give your heart to Jesus now and continue to serve him. It'll save you a lot of heartache. But we got young people think, oh, I got to go out and do something really bad so that I can get, come in and get saved and have a testimony. The greatest testimony you can have is to say, it's the grace of God that spared me from ever knowing what it's like to be high, to get drunk, to shoot a dirty needle into your veins, to take drugs that aren't prescribed to you. It's the greatest testimony to be able to say, I've never experienced any of that. That's a great testimony. You don't have to go out and do something really crazy. You don't have to, to be able to say, I got to have a, a big testimony. That's the greatest testimony you can have. Because sin comes at an inflated price. Romans says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And you know what, really? The Bible tells us there's pleasure in sin for a season. There are people that are out there in the world, and they enjoy what they're doing. They think they do. Because there's pleasure in sin for a season. That's why they don't all come out of it. That's why they don't all feel convicted, because a lot of them like it. Even though it's wrong, they like what they're doing, because there's pleasure in it. But it comes at a price tag. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. It's always at an inflated price. Ask the alcoholic that needs one more drink. How much does it take to satisfy the alcoholic? It's just one more drink, just one more. I just need just one more. Ask the drug addict. They wake up in the morning looking for that next fix. 
that next high. It doesn't matter whose life they have to step on or who they have to steal from. All they're concerned is that next fix, that next high. You ask them how, how the price that they pay, and many of them, they're paying with their lives. You know, this fentanyl stuff is dangerous stuff. And they think, oh, all I need is somebody to bring me back with one of that, that can of whatever it is uh, that brings them back. And someday it's going to be too late. So many people think I come from a preacher's home and it's the furthest from the truth. Because I knew in the home that I grew up with, I had, I, I had relatives that just smoked marijuana every day on the way to school. Folks, marijuana is a gateway drug. You can say what you want. I, maybe it's for medicinal purposes. I don't know. I'm not going to go into all of that or something like that. But it is a gateway drug to harder stuff. It really is. But I'd seen how it messed up lives in my own family. My stepsister, whose life added up to zero, nothing. By the time she passed away, only a few years older than me, she looked like she was 80 years old because of the way the drugs had taken a hold of her life. All you need to do is ask the alcoholic, ask the drug addict. Does it have a hold? It's got a cost. It's got a price tag on it, and it leaves scars that can never be erased. I thank God for his blood. I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us. But it's got to be something that breaks that bondage. And, you know, and the third thing, and then I'm going to close, is it takes a sacrificial pardon. I don't want to give you all the bad news without giving you the good news because there's freedom this morning. You've got to come God's way. You know what? Hebrews says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And let's me know, I can't do it for you. I can point you to the way. I can point you to Christ who laid down his life so you could be set free from the penalty of sin. You can be set free this morning, but it required a sacrifice. And Jesus laid down his life for every one of us. Folks, that's something to shout over. I thank God for his mercy. I thank God for his grace. I was a sinner destined for hell. You were in the same boat, all of us, the same situation, and we needed a Savior. That's in Jesus Christ. Do you know something? Salvation's only the starting point. You've got to change. You've got to change. In Ezekiel, he said, I'll take out the stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh. Right now, if you're not saved, you've got a stony heart. You've got a hardened heart. And he wants to take that hard heart, that heart, a hardened heart doesn't beat anymore, doesn't feel anything, and wants to give you a heart of flesh. But you know what you've got to do? You've got to surrender. You've got to surrender. You know, sometimes I, I don't worry so much about the people that are struggling. It lets me know there's some, God's still dealing with you. 
there's still conviction there. If you're struggling, it means God is still working on you. Well, I do worry about the people that try to justify the sin that they're in. Well, it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. Or it's not, it doesn't really matter. No, it's serious. Serious. God took it so serious that he sent his son as a sacrifice for our sin. You know what? I believe there are some things that require the help of God to break some people free. I know there are some people that are so tangled in sin, it requires God's help just breaking them free. There are some things we can easily just let go of. All right. I give my heart to the Lord. I know I got to stop doing that. I, I, some people, it, it, some addictions, they could just, just lay it down. There's others. You need the power of God to break that bondage. And sometimes rehabilitation is not going to do it. Some kind of five-step course is not always going to do it. It's got to be the power of God. And I'm glad there was a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus Christ paid the price. That's why this morning, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Study it out like the Bereans did. Study the scriptures. You've got to know the truth about sin. It'll take you further Do you want to stay. Take you further than you want to go. It costs you more than you want to pay to keep you longer than you want to stay. There's a penalty for it. But there's the grace and the mercy of God. You've got to know the truth. You've got to know the truth this morning about sin. That's what, you know, our world is so mixed up. There's so many voices, so many other people trying to say something. You can listen to 40, 400 other preachers and tell you, oh, it's okay. That doesn't matter. That'll never keep you out of hell. That'll never keep you out of heaven. That won't matter. Oh, that, don't worry about that. No, you got to go back to the book. It says you're a sinner says you need Jesus. You need salvation. I want Cassandra to come back to the piano, please. I think it's page number 275. 